Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. Good to see you. I want to welcome those watching online and uh, our other campuses here, Redmond as well. I am Ben, the lead pastor, and uh, good to see you back after Easter Sunday. Uh, we had a lot of fun. Uh, we're going to do a little highlights at the end. Uh, a lot of people, biggest, biggest weekend ever in the, in the history of Timberlake Church in terms of people attending and so many more online, and a lot of fun. Uh, and kids got a lot of candy. Any of your kids hyped up after service? Yeah. And, I, you know, it's sort of funny. So we have uh, just, I mean, a lot of dentists that go to our church. And I was wondering why, and I thought, I know why we provide clients for them. That's uh, why we have so many dentists that go to our church. Well, uh, uh, last week, uh, we really looked concisely uh, at the implications of the Easter message. This week, I'm starting a new series uh, called Skeptic. It's going to be, today will be, I just want to let you know, it'll be a lot different than a normal message uh, here at Timberlake, but hopefully it will be helpful. I have a ton of material to go over, uh, which last minute, or last week, I only preached for 27 minutes. So I figured I have some rollover minutes today. Uh, <laughs> uh, the tech team is not laughing. Anyway, uh, but, but we have, uh, we're going to look at really uh, faith and science. And, and really, is there any compatibility between the two? And this is a very legitimate question uh, that people have asked uh, throughout the ages. Uh, because people will, uh, you know, They'll talk about faith, and it can almost seem sometimes like make-believe. But that's just that's not with not faith. faith. I came across I this. I thought this would help warm us up today. today. CNN, CNN business, business recorded some actual excuses, excuses people had for being late at work. At work. There are going to be some good ones. Uh, this one, try this one at your uh, next meeting. The line was too long at Starbucks. Uh, number two, I was trying to get my gun back from the police. And three, I didn't have money for gas because all the pawn shops were closed. Uh, yeah, so we hear, we hear things like that. And some of you, I think, you think that that's almost sounds like when we talk about faith. And you say, it's okay. I have my faith. I have my faith mind. And then I have my other mind. And I grew up, here's how I grew up, and I don't want to offend any of you. But uh, I didn't grow up with, uh, definitely not Christianity, really not much religion except a little on the outskirts of it, but nothing we ever would participate in. We thought that there were uh, Christian people and then rational people and, that, and smart people. We're like, okay, there's smart people and then there's Christian people. And, and I honestly didn't know how to reconcile the two even when I came to faith, because I came through a personal transformation experience. 
So God worked in my life, but it took me a while to, to work through these, uh, what I thought were, competing realities. And what, what I think we've been taught this in society, and I'm going to go a little bit out of order, which I think is going to drive our tech team crazy. Uh, so uh, we have the Quentin Smith. Uh, we'll, we'll put that up if we can put that quote up, if you can find it. Leslie Newbigin, he talks about the idea is that there's uh, the thought that as people progressed, what would happen is they would give up on spirituality. Now, uh, in our country, I, I, the number of people who are committed Christ followers, actually that number has not changed. People who are a little more marginal, that's changed. They're still spiritual, just not necessarily Christian spiritual. But around the world, as people have become more educated, they actually have turned towards Christianity as education has increased. And so there's this idea that, that if, if we can just educate people enough, they will give up on faith. Uh, and as we see this in science and philosophy. I'm going to look mostly at science today. Quentin Smith, who's an atheist, uh, and that not very, he doesn't like Christians very much, he bemoaned what is even happening in America in philosophy departments. Uh, he, he writes this, he said, the field of philosophy is being desecularized in America. One quarter to one third of the philosophy departments now consist of theists, generally Christians. And he's going, that's the worst thing that could happen, is that you have all these Christians in this field that it used to be primarily secular people, and what are we to do with that? It really has to do with a guy named Alvin Plantinga. He's, he's probably one of the most respected uh, living philosophers, philosophy professors in the world, and also a, a follower of Jesus Christ. And so there's been this thing that's been happening, and yet for some of us that has not happened with us, our, 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 our faith life and our, our, the rest of our life. Hebrews 4 14, uh, it, it, it says this in the scripture, and we're going to uh, look at this. I'm going to get back to the right place in my... Hebrews 10.23, sorry. Uh, it says, therefore, since we have such a great high priest who is ascended into heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. I describe faith as this, as going to the edge of what you know, and taking one more step. It, a lot of us we're taught is faith is where we completely, we have no evidence, we give up our rational mind, and that's faith. That is not faith, that's magic, that's mysticism. Faith is saying, in fact, there's a scientific principle I want you to follow during this series. It's not even a spiritual principle. You know what scientific principle is? A, a good scientist will say, you go where the evidence leads. You go where the evidence leads leads. Now, we all have our bias. If you say, well, I'm an agnostic, you have bias. Christian, you have bias. Muslim, you have bias. Hindu, you have bias. We all have bias, but we're at our best intellectually where we go where the evidence leads. And it's my firm belief, if you're committed to that, if you're committed to saying, God, if you're real, show yourself to me, it will lead you to Jesus Christ. 
Uh, I think that's where that will lead. Well, you say, hey, Ben, I, I don't really... I don't, I don't really know how I can move forward because I still have questions. And that's what we're going to look at uh, in this series. Our big goal is this, a more confident faith. Is that you would have a more confident faith. Or if you don't have faith, that you would simply go where the evidence leads. You might say, hey, Ben, I, I don't even need this. I've sort of settled these issues intellectually. You know, that there's a lot of people who haven't. And the scripture uh, tells us this. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. In fact, in, in our public schools, we, we see this. I'm actually for neutrality in public schools. Uh, and that used to be the stance, but it's gone from neutrality to a little bit of scorn and sometimes hostility. And actually, the idea that some of your kids, before they're able to work through these, some of these intellectual issues, people are trying to dissuade them. Usually, quite honestly, people who, who look at uh, secondary and tertiary sources, which no good scientist would ever base anything on. And so what I want us to do is to engage intellectually. Well, as, as I went on my own faith journey, I became a follower of Christ. Uh, I was, uh, never went to any Christian schools or anything like that. I uh, was going through high school uh, and then college at the University of Washington. And I remember when I was taking biology and uh, zoology and chemistry, none of my professors just said, you know what, just believe in Jesus and all this stuff will make sense. Not one of them ever said that. So I had to walk. I would go around uh, Green Lake in Seattle. I, I would uh, run or walk around Green Lake. And I said this. I would always have to go through some of the understandings and evidence. And I would start sometimes as an agnostic and end up as a Christian by the time I went away, all the way around. And I think those extra... Now, I don't have to do that anymore, but I did for a season... Because I don't want to base my life on anything that's not true. Now again, faith is going to the edge of what you know and taking more, one more step. That is faith. So, so how do we reconcile the uh, science and faith? And there are seven key understandings I want us to come to uh, today. One is science and faith answer different questions and use different methods. I think what will often happen is we, we try to put them both in the same category. Faith will say who and why, something science cannot answer, and science will tell us what and how. Uh, if you look throughout history, almost all the leading scientists were followers of Jesus, and they understood that it was to understand how God had worked in the universe, and this is what they were trying to to figure out. Science cannot prove nor disprove the existence of God. Uh, science, science primarily looks at secondary causes. So there's a secondary cause and then we come to an understanding. God is a primary cause and so science has more difficulty in these areas. 
there's a tension, but not an incompatibility. The second is that creation and evolution require some faith. Now, if I was going to talk to most people who say, well, I, I, I don't really believe in God because of science, it really, there, there's only one thing it usually comes down to, is the a creation account that we find in the Scripture. And, uh, there, and I think some Christians, honestly, have done some disservice here uh, by, you know, setting this, that there's this non-theistic evolution that it's just everything's a random accident and really a caricature of it. And there, there are problems there, I mean significant ones. And that there's this young earth creationism, that the earth is only so many thousand years old. And that there's, well, I, I think there's, if you understand, actually if you understand theology and ancient Semitic languages, which the Bible was written in, then you'll understand, no, there's some more nuance there. Now, I know some of you are going to think I'm a heretic during this, uh, and some of you will just confirm that opinion that you've always thought. <laughs> uh, so, uh, there's, uh, there's young earth, there's four views, young earth creationism. And this is, people will look back to uh, like the Cambrian explosion, if you stay, I can't get into all that. But the, the idea is, when you look at the fossil record, uh, there's, we don't find uh, transitional species, very rare, and in fact, uh, some of the people who are the greatest critics, like Stephen Jay Gould, definitely, uh, I, th I think he passed away, but definitely not a fan of Christianity or religion. He admitted, he said, uh, that there are some problems, he said, the extreme rarity of anything nearing a transitional species and he says that obviously that modern, even our understanding of evolution, relies on, relies on some inference. And so people who are young earth creations will say, hey, God can do anything. I agree with you. He can create the earth in, uh, with age attached. Yes. I, I totally think that could happen. Some of you say, God couldn't create the earth in six days. I think he could create it in six seconds if he wanted to. And I say that to tell you that's not primarily the view I hold. <laughs> so, uh, but I, I think that's a rational view. And then there's old earth creationism. Uh, it's, it's understanding, if you use the Hebrew word yom in the Bible, it means a day. But sometimes it doesn't mean a day. It means an age or a period of time. And so the idea is that God had created everything. He may have created even with some age detached. Uh, but it's not a necessarily a 24-hour day. Uh, it could be a long period of time. Uh, and if we, if we look at just sort of the whole record around this, that, that you might believe that. You can be a Christian and believe either view. There's another view that's called theistic evolution, where you say, hey, the difference between old earth creationism and theistic evolution is this. Old earth creationism would say God created each of these species and you don't get, you know, you don't go from like a guppy to a cat. Definitely not a cat. Anyway, but you, uh, but you, you don't, that doesn't happen. Uh, and there's, there's some logic actually around that. Uh, because someone who's an old earth creationist might say there's evolution within species. Yes, that, in fact, 
I don't think there's many people who would deny that. But uh, theistic evolution would say there's trans-species evolution, but God superintended the process. And then there's non-theistic evolution, which says, you know what, there is no God, and just things happen by it randomly. That is the only viewpoint that I believe is, is really completely incompatible with Christian faith. So I believe you can be somewhere on the spectrum uh, and of, of the other, and it will make sense. Here's the problem, though. If you are a committed atheist or a committed Christian, well, actually a committed Christian, we have a little easier understanding of this, is there's a problem of origins. You say, I'm an atheist. Here's one thing I know. You cannot explain origins to me in a logical way. Well, at first, there was this first particle. Where did it begin? Well, it was a subparticle. Okay, where'd that begin? And you can't, if you go back, you, you cannot come up with a scientific explanation for it. And now, a Christian would say the, the, etern, the eternal God. In fact, uh, the Big Bang Theory, uh, going way back, uh, we think that, uh, or some people I was taught when I became a Christ follower, the Big Bang Theory, man, that is so anti-Christian. Do you know the people who, who were against it the most when that theory was first proposed? It were non-Christian uh, scientists. It was atheistic. Do you know why? Because it sounded like a creation event. And they were saying, no, we don't like this Big Bang Theory because we, everything just existed forever. That sounds too much like that Bible thing, and we know those Bible people are wacko. And uh, so here's, here's my point is that there's a rational viewpoint that really aligns with Scripture. And if you're saying, hey, man, I don't believe, and here, I don't want to make fun of any, anyone. I wouldn't do that. I'm just trying to present an argument. So please don't take it that way, is I'm just trying to present what I believe is true. But I'm saying you have an origins problem that is unsolvable. At least number three, the total improbability of random circumstances. Uh, there are 30 constants that have to be within a few percentage of each constant. And if it's one-off, life does not exist. Uh, Anthony Flew, who was a physicist, uh, he was sort of like the Richard Dawkins of his day. Very anti-Christianity. Uh, uh, he said, uh, as he went through his life, at the very end of his life before he died, that he changed his mind. Uh, especially uh, around the creation event. He said there's no creation event, that's just, that doesn't, I can't, there's no creator. And very interesting, someone would get to the end of their life and say, you know what, I think I was wrong. The evidence is leading in a different direction. It would be like this, think of it as a card game. It would be like a guy who gets a royal flush 800,000 times in a row. That would, that would, you, you, that would, probably wouldn't happen and would definitely get you shot in many places uh, because it, it's just improbable. And then there's the limitations of the human mind. We understand that God is infinite and we are finite uh, That we, it, there, because we all take steps of faith. We don't know everything, right? Uh, let me ask you this. How many of you flew this last year? How many of you got, in, not, not like, 
<laughs> if, if you flew without a plane, that's another discussion. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, then you've stretched the limits of my faith. So, uh, but uh, how many of you flew on an airplane this last year? Okay. How many of you, before you got on the airplane, you checked the pilot's license? Okay. How many of you checked the mechanics? How many of you checked the luggage of the people on the plane? Oh, a few of you did. That's great. Weird. Anyway, but, they, but you see, we, we, we just took a step of faith. We, we trusted that all these things would be in order. And then there's the implausibility of an impersonal cosmic force. That there would just be some powerful amoeba that would create the world with love and beauty, and yet that that creator would have none of the attributes of that. And then there's breaks in the natural order. See, there, is, there are laws of nature. I believe God is the lawgiver of nature. But every once in a while, we'll find a break in that, and those miracles are hard to explain. Scientifically, really hard to explain. And we would say, no, God, the supernatural entered the natural world, and that's why we, we find that. When my wife, about two years ago, uh, she uh, had a couple strokes. Uh, it was very difficult because uh, she had a hole in her heart, which I had suspected was there for years. <laughs> I can say that now because she's okay. Uh, but we got the whole fix and she's fine. <laughs> We're fine. Anyway. <laughs> but um, the, 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 I hope she's not here. Anyway, the, uh, the neurologist, now get this, this was not the theologian. I did not, I did not call my other pastor friend, friends when she had her stroke and said, you know what, forget the scientists. I just want my pastors around. No, I want a scientist. And the neurologist, interesting, because of what happened to her, she was on the ground, lost motion, lost speech. Five minutes later, she's up walking around with no treatment. In fact, they misdiagnosed it at first before they took all the brain scans and realized what had happened. And the neurologist said, uh, yeah, that, that had to be a miracle from God. The only way to explain it. Scientifically, that just doesn't happen. He says, somehow God, it's like God rewired your brain. And this is a neurologist who was able to see that. Seven, there's common meta-narratives. And this is more historical and philosophical. But I bring this up here uh, in this message because really we're not talking faith in science. We're talking faith in reason. There are people who will, who will say this. Well, you know, if you look at the different uh, people around the world, that in the ancient world, there are very common narratives around creation, or common narratives uh, we find in desperate, in, in, in uh, disparate uh, societies. Well, what we do is we apply this, the age of the telephone and the internet and roads and ships and, and all of that, none of which existed. I mean, people would, uh, almost no one would go 100 miles from their home ever in their lifetime. And so, is it all these societies that didn't share a language or any communication system or transportation system, are they pointing to a common reality? And I believe it points to a common reality. Well, hey, I, uh, I understand that for a lot of us, maybe even the last few weeks, we're more open to a personal God working in our life. But we're still saying, how does this work with my understanding of 
of science. I know we have a lot of people, most of our people actually are from a science background. I want to just leave you with three closing thoughts today on how to grow in your faith. Number one, explore your faith. Uh, that you would explore uh, what your faith is if you have one. There, there, are, there are some resources I have listed. Three books, only one's written by a pastor, Mark, uh, Mark Clark, who's spoken here. The others are actually written by scientists. Uh, and uh, people who actually started out as atheists and then uh, became followers of Jesus, that we would explore our faith. Maybe you would do it by uh, uh, coming to uh, one of the classes that we're offering. You'll say, okay, can I really understand? Because, okay, I, I believe in a creator, but the scripture, can I trust that? We're going to address that as well. And then number two, share your faith. God uses you and me as a delivery system to our world says in Romans 10:17 consequently faith comes through hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ and for you that might mean if you're a parent going home and talking to your children and saying hey this is sort of what my faith is and you're presenting a, a, your worldview you don't have to know it all but you can go on that journey of discovery together and I, I believe a truly focused open mind is the greatest friend of a very, very deep faith. That you would share your faith. Maybe it's telling someone at work. I know that's hard because they, you know, saying, hey, you know what, I, uh, I, I'm a Christian. Somehow let that out in conversation. I don't know if I would start the conversation that way, <laughs> but I would uh, uh, let them know what it means for you to follow Jesus. And it's okay. Here's a cool thing is that people know us and they know our failures and they know our doubts and you can come with all of that and you can bring that to Jesus and that leads to number three take a step of faith take a step of faith uh, oftentimes what will happen is our faith and I talked about this last week it wavers when we don't do anything with it you know it's sort of like uh, me not going to the gym and saying you know what I don't believe in muscles anymore and because, what, because you haven't worked, you haven't tried, you haven't exercised it. We haven't leaned in, as I talked about. I, I shared how uh, a couple times before, uh, we lived in San Diego, and we would go uh, to this water park that was right near our home. And there were all sorts of exciting slides, and we would go down them, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Sometimes we would bring our children to the water park as well. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, just joking. There, but it, we, there's what I didn't like is what they called the wading pool. And it was the most used thing at the water park. And people, you know what you would do is you would just sit there, and soak, the water would go by, the band-aids would go by, the diapers would go by. And, and you could think the water park is no fun because I'm just sitting and soaking. I'm not taking a step. And that's where we find God faithful. So I encourage you, whatever that step is for you, Maybe you thought you could, maybe it's nothing to do in the scientific realm. Maybe you thought you could never forgive one, someone. And you say, Jesus, because you forgave me, I'm going to forgive. And I'm going to let them know. And they may not even take it very well. But I'm going to forgive because you forgave me. Or I'm going to go to one of these classes, learn a little bit more about faith and the Bible and all of that. And I'm going to have a greater understanding so I can draw close 
to you. Maybe it's next week, getting baptized. Hey, that's my step of faith, my new life. Or maybe for you, it's saying, okay, Jesus, I don't know everything, but I know enough to trust you. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.